Hey, what up guys? So today we're going to be going over our first little introduction to, uh, this is Josh by the way, <laughs> you probably know that by now. <laughs> so anyway, so we're going to be jumping right into it, okay? So there are, I want to start with the genetic principles, okay? So you should understand that genes uh, are passed down from your mom and dad um, and they can confer these things called alleles, okay? So an allele is basically um, the genetic information passed down from one parent, okay? And what it does is basically um, it confers a specific type of phenotype. Now let me describe what a phenotype is. So a phenotype is, so you have your genotype, which describes the exact, like this is the genetic makeup of whatever that is, of whatever that allele is, the phenotype is how that um, is how that genetic makeup displays like actually when you look at someone or how or how someone works. So like I'll give you an example. Okay, let's say I have a genotype that says that I'm going to have um, blue eyes. Well, my phenotype is the blue eyes. The genotype is what codes for the specific proteins or whatever that end up making my phenotype become blue eyes. Okay, so you get an allele. Right, which contains the genotype from your mom, and you have an allele from your dad. And when these alleles come together, they form your specific, you know, phenotype or whatever you display. So I'll give you an example. Okay, let's let's talk with the classic um, example of uh, of blood type. Okay, so blood type's really interesting because you can have this thing called codominance. Codominance is when you can have two alleles and they're both expressed in some way. So you're probably familiar with this already but I'm just going to quickly run through it, right? If mom gives you an allele for blood group A and dad gives you an allele for blood group A as well, you're going to display AA. That's going to be your blood type, right? You have an allele A, allele A. Your blood type is going to be AA, right? Or just A, right? But let's say dad gives you a blood type A and then mom gives you a blood type B. Well, then you're going to have um, basically AB as your blood type. That's going to be your phenotype. Okay, so that's codominance. Now let's talk about variable expression. This is a little bit different. Okay, this is basically the nature and degree of the phenotype vary despite similar genotypes. Okay, so it's variable expression, right? So it's the uh, nature and degree of the phenotype vary from one individual to another, but they have the same mutation. So a great example of this is neurofibromatosis, right? This is a disease where like you get these neurofibromas that grow all over your body and you look like stapled with these sort of like tumorous like growths. This is neurofibromatosis too. This is passed down and two people can have the same genotype for uh, neurofibromatosis too, but their actual phenotype is going to be different between them, and that's called variable expression. Okay, so so far we've gone over codominance, right? The ability to basically sh uh, to have both allele call uh, both alleles expressed in one individual, and then variable expression, where they have the same alleles, but they express them. They ex their phenotype is expressed differently. Now let's talk about incomplete penetrance. Okay, so this is incomplete penetrance is basically when like despite like somebody somebody might. Um, have a specific mutation and they will have like the phenotypic disease traits but then they'll pass it on to their child they'll pass on their or their their offspring is going to have the same mutations but it, they won't actually display any of that disease phenotype it's super interesting and penetrance can be calculated by basically the number of people that display that disease phenotype 
and then you divide that by the total amount of population with the disease genotype, okay? So let me, let me say that again. Basically, penetrance is phenotype, or I'm sorry, yeah, it's phenotype, like displaying the, the specific disease phenotype divided by the, uh, the number of people with the gene disease genotype, okay? So I'll give you an example, all right? If 50%, if there's a 50, if you have incomplete penetrance and 50% of people with this disease genotype display disease phenotype, that would be basically, right, you'd have 100 people. 50 of them are going to display this disease genotype while 100 people have the disease genotype. That's 50% divided by 100, right? That's gonna be 50% penetrance, okay? All right, next up I wanna talk about pleiotropy. So pleiotropy is when basically um, a single mutation, right? You have one gene mutation in your DNA and it leads to um, basically disease presentations in multiple different organ systems. This is called pleiotropy. And um, so I'll give you an example like, um, mm, Trying to think of an example off the top of my head. Um, phenylketonuria, okay? So you have an issue with um, basically like um, a part of your, we'll talk about this at a later time, but it's actually a part of uh, metabolism, but basically you're, you're, you have this buildup of phenylketones, right? And what this causes is a bunch of um, basically buildup in multiple different organ systems. And this is called pleiotropy. It's when a single mutation has diverse effects upon several organ systems, okay? The next one I want to talk about is anticipation, all right? So anticipation is really interesting. It's uh, caused by tri these things called trinucleotide repeats. Um, and they it, it, it's caused by these nucle these trinucleotide repeats expand over time, and each generation, basically when you pass on these trinucleotide repeats, it expands between each generation, and this expansion causes a worse and worse disease state, and this is called anticipation. Okay, so changes in the disease presentation in succeeding generations, it's it causes worse uh, worsening severity of the disease and also earlier onset. It's all around bad news. It's caused by these things called tri, uh, called trinucleotide repeat expansion. So it's specific, basically, um, trinucleotide repeats in the DNA code that over successive generations gets larger and larger and larger. And they, they basically um, have a, like a few key high yield diseases that you need to know for exam day. We'll get into the specifics of each, but I just want to list them now. There's Huntington's disease, there's Fragile X syndrome, there's myotonic dystrophy, dystrophy and then there's Friedrich's ataxia, okay? And these all have um, trinucleotide repeat expansion happening on different chromosomes at different points in the genetic code, and they all result in a different type of disease state, okay? So next up, I want to talk about loss of heterozygosity okay this is actually a really interesting thing okay this is called this is what I you might remember me talking about a two-hit model previously but this is when an individual inherits or develops a mutation in one copy of the gene right so you have two you have basically our genetic code when we have a chromatid you have basically you know two two chromatids for every chromosome so you have two copies of your DNA well when one part of your DNA gets a mutation you can still make enough of that normal, uh, you know, basically RNA and then subsequent proteins to continue functioning at a normal, uh, normal level in that cell. But when you get the second hit, when you lose um, the gene for that, you when you lose one copy of the gene, and then all of a sudden you hit the the complementary allele is lost, the complementary gene is lost. 
you develop these uh, diseases. And these are big for tumor suppressor diseases, specifically many and retinoblastoma. We'll learn about these. We'll learn about the chromosomes that they're on. But the key thing here is this is the two-hit model, loss of heterozygosity. You are a heterozygote, so you're making you know normal um, protein. You're functioning normally because you have one functioning still, despite... Um, Despite one gene, uh, you know, its complementary um, uh, allele is being lost. But once you lose that second uh, gene, you know, you lose your heterozygosity, and now you're just making bad, um, bad, you know, protein or whatever is going on, and then you have a disease state. Okay, now I want to talk about a dominant negative mutation. Okay, so this is when a mutant gene product antagonizes wild type gene product. Okay, so I want you to imagine this. Okay. Um, you have your heterozygote, your heterozygote, and the gene product, the wild type gene product, is healthy, okay? But then the heterozygote, your heterozygous for wild type and then mutant type. And the mutant type, now, what it does is it actually interferes with the wild type, uh, wild type's performance, and you get this negative, uh, negative result. It like, it, it cancels out. And this is a, a dominant effect, right? So even if the mutant gene is, uh, is, potentially, uh, you know, uh, recessive, right, or something, it wouldn't be in this case, it's dominant, but it would, it basically what's happening is, like, these proteins uh, that are, like, like, I'll give you an example, like, a multimeric protein, right, it has, like, four different, um, there's, like, uh, different genes that code for it, uh, so, like, different genes code for different monomers of this, like, multimeric protein, well, when one gene is no longer working and it produces a bad protein that still works with these that still can form this monomer or uh, this multimer protein the whole multimer protein no longer functions even though three out of the four genes are still producing working protein so that's like the example i would use for that um, hopefully that wasn't too confusing i think i did maybe not the best job of explaining it but hopefully you got it still so then you can have de novo mutations okay de novo mutations is when you have like a, a sudden uh uh, mutation in your genus pool, right? And it leads to a disease, but there's no familial history of this. This is like, it's like a random mutation. It's a one-off thing. There's no risk in uh, recurrence in future offspring, right? If, uh, if there isn't a family history of this, this is just like a random gene. It's usually not in the I mean, it can be the, the recurrence rate is super low. It, like, so like you have to remember, like we have basically like two parts of our body, right? We have like the cells of our body and then we have cells that are become gametes. And that's where like you can also have de novo mutations, which then you can potentially spread, but there wouldn't actually be a phenotype in the in the parent because those two cell lines are different. Um, so that's the way I would look at that. But anyway, de novo mutations are genetic diseases in an, in an individual with no familial history, and the recurrence risk for offspring of the same parents is super low. And it's and it only occurs if they have um, basically a de novo mutation in the gamete cell line, okay? Gametes are like like your uh, sperm and ovum, okay? So now let's talk about the locus of heterogeneity, okay? This is uh, different mutations that can produce the same phenotype, okay? So locus, that's like, um, uh, like a part of the gene 
that is the locus of that information, right? And what this is saying is that locus of information can be different, but still give you the same end disease state, right? The same phenotype. And an example of this is Marfanoid habitus. Remember I was talking about Marfan syndrome in a previous episode? Well, they, they get this uh, because they have this like fibrillin that's not working properly. Their collagen is... Um, uh, can be like uh, their elastin can be messed up. So like the big thing here that I want you to take away is like Marfan syndrome gives you a Marfanoid habitus, but you can also get Marfan syndrome from men to be in homocysteinuria. Okay, so this is locus heterogeneity where genotypes, um, where different genotypes can give you the same phenotype. Okay. Then there's heteroplasmy, okay? This is the presence of both normal and mutated mitochondrial DNA in the same cell. And this actually results in variable expression of mitochondrial inherited diseases, okay? So like heteroplasmy, I'll give you an example, okay? So like um, mitochondria are passed on from the uh, mother. That's like where each, uh, each of us, our mitochondria in every single one of our cells all came from our moms, right? Um, what if some of those become mutated, other ones are healthy? Well, depending on which where you know which cell took which mitochondria, you're gonna have like if you took cells, you took a big biopsy and you put them on a and stained their, their mitochondria, you might have some mitochondria that stain for this mutated uh, mitochondrial DNA and others that wouldn't, and that's called heteroplasmy. Okay, you can have another thing. So. So another definition that you need to be aware of is uniparental disomy, okay? This is when offspring receives both copies of a chromosome from one parent, okay? So disomy, two, you know, both two chromosomes, uniparental, one parent. So one parent gives you both your chromosomes. No copies of your other parent. This can be really bad, right? Let's say, or like, let's say that um, the parent that gives you their chromosomes um, is has a mutation that um, they that what uh, that is autosomal recessive, right? So like you now have both copies of that mutation. You now have an autosomal recessive disease that the parent never even had because they had a copy that was um, healthy and a copy that wasn't, right? That's how that's how you should think about that. So now. Um, that child, that offspring would have one copy and it'd be a disease copy, they'd have a disease data. So the next thing I wanna talk about is polygenic inheritance, okay? This is when multiple genes are responsible for inheritance of a disease, okay? So like polygenic inheritance is an example, like a good example of this is like um, when somebody goes bald, right? There's a bunch of things that can cause somebody to uh, lose hair prematurely. This is also referred to as androgenic alopecia, right? Um, a lot of people, I, I don't want to make jokes about this because it is a serious thing. And But like a lot of people who go who go bald, they'll, they'll talk about how they have alopecia. Well, this is usually andropenic alopecia. This is, uh, this is like the common balding phenomenon that people... Uh, go on. There's lots of things. It can be familial. It can be genetic. It can be due to specific diseases. It can be due to, um, you know, medications you're taking. So, so anyways, uh, it can be due to hormones. So there's a lot of different things. This is polygenic inheritance. This is when multiple genes are responsible for inheritance of a disease. Um, I just want to go back. I just mentioned that, like, you know, when drugs or like th when other things other than genes cause alopecia, it's not. Um, it's, it's different than androgenic alopecia. There's a bunch of different types of alopecia, but alopecia means baldness, okay? And that's what polygenic inheritance is when multiple genes are responsible for inheritance of a disease like androgenic alopecia. Okay, the final thing I wanna talk about is heritability. Um, and heritability basically can measure the relative effect of genetic versus environmental factors on a phenotype, 
right? So I've been talking a lot about how genotypes can cause phenotypes, right? But what if environmental factors can also cause phenotypes, right? And this is actually a really interesting phenomenon where you can take like um, uh, basically monozygotic twins and dizygotic twins and look at the prevalence of disease in them. And this is called concordance, right? So concordance is the prevalence of disease in both twins, right? An entirely environmental disease, like disease just caused by the environment, you'd expect regardless of the genetic makeup of twins to be the same, right? So if you took um, the same environment, right? and you looked at monozygotic twins and dizygotic twins, you'd expect the disease prevalence to be the same between them, and that's called the concordance, right? But if you looked at genetic disease, entirely genetic disease, then both monozygotic twins, since they have the same genetic makeup, right, they should have the disease state. So your concordance would be one. Whereas if you took di the dizygotic twins, right, if only, if only one twin has the disease state, the concordance would be 50%, right? Because the concordance is equal to the prevalence of disease in both twins, right? Because the siblings in the dizygotic relationship only share 50% of their genes, only 50%, right? They would have a 50% prevalence because only one of them would have the disease state, right? And that's for purely genetic diseases. Whereas environmental diseases, if they're dizygotic or monozygotic, you're gonna have the disease state because they're in the same environment. So for heritability, right? We basically wanna figure out how much of this came from the, the, the genes, right? So you're gonna take the prevalence, right? The prevalence of disease in the monozygotic twins, and you're gonna subtract that um, by the prevalence of disease and the dizygotic twins, right? Because that you're basically assuming that whatever the disease is in the dizygotic twins, right, it's going to basically be the environmental factors. You're subtracting that from whatever might have environmental factors might have caused the monozygotic twins and just leaving the um, genetic factors, right? And then you divide that over the basically like um, dizygotic, one minus the dizygotic uh, prevalence, okay? So that's um, in general, uh, you know, what heritability is. It's probably good to look it up on your own so that you can play around with that equation. Very low chance of actually needing to um, uh, calculate that on exam day. But I hope that these general principles um, and sort of just ideas made a little bit more sense after listening to me uh, explain them. In the next episode, we're going to talk about modes of inheritance. Um, this is, you know, a little bit of a more in-depth discussion about how things are passed on, how alleles are passed on, and how they, and then like when they're passed on and which uh, patterns. And then once you get the patterns down, you can then like sort of figure out the expected phenotypes. And, and then once you understand this, you'll, you'll be given these basically family trees where some people show phenotypes, others don't. And you have to figure out the mode of inheritance. This is high yield for exams. The other interesting thing is, is like it helps you like if you can figure out if something is autosomal dominant or X-linked recessive, you can really narrow down the kind of disease 
that would even that is even possible because some diseases are only inherited via autosomal dominant, right? So then use it, utilizing like you know methods of just of canceling out answers you know are autosomal recessive or X-linked recessive. You can just pick out the autosomal uh, dominant ones, and then based on the presentation, figure out you know oh this disease you know looks most like this. Click that's the right answer. Easy points on test day. So we'll get into that on the next episode. We'll see you there. Episode I believe it's. Um, going to be number 18, okay? Mo uh, or, no, it's going to be episode number 19, okay? Uh, modes of inheritance. See you there.